welcome back to part six of the six-part series, Conversations About Influence. In this segment, we'll hear how to establish a healthy climate for influence in both your team and your organization. Let's join now with our speakers, B. Kim Barnes, Mary Walter, and Alan Cohen. So let's spend a few minutes on establishing a climate for influence in your team. Because mm-hmm. Mary, you just talked about one, and that is having overarching goals that everybody knows about and that everybody is committed to. So that's one thing. We also talked about learning to use some processes that are very inclusive and that take into account the differences that you might have. What are some other things that a leader can do to establish that kind of climate where everybody feels free to influence? A build on overarching goals is an overarching vision of what we're about, which isn't always the same as the goals. It's much more about the main reason for being the purpose of what we're about and how it connects to the overall organization. Lots of times leaders are a little embarrassed to talk that way, but I think it's critical. A second thing we already talked about, which is vulnerability. Leaders have to be willing to put themselves on the line and show that it's okay to talk about things. And I can tell you from my own experience in my leadership roles, I was uh, academic vice president and dean of faculty at Babson for seven years. I tried immediately to use everything I teach, and I found that uh, sometimes I was too fast to it. Other people weren't ready for it. So you have to build the climate slowly. You can't just announce that I'm now open for business. (laughs) It didn't work. You have to get other people acclimated. But you need to be willing to walk the talk and demonstrate that, in fact, you're willing to be open, collaborative, vulnerable. You invite people to let you know how you're doing. And you have to build a climate where it's okay to tell them how they're doing. Not so easy if people aren't used to it. Then it's about, sorry for being an academic, it's about teachable moments. When things happen in the team, you have to be willing to not do what traditional people are expecting rather than laying into somebody. You have to say, well, let's take a look at this. What's just happened? How can we learn from it? And it takes a lot of those before people start saying, hmm. I'll tell you one funny story. In one of my early meetings with my team, division chairman and a dean who I really liked and knew well got really angry at me, misunderstood something I said, and the meeting ended. I walked back to my office and I wrote a long email at which I basically said, we're finally starting to talk to each other. <laughs> that was the most real moment in because I'd been in these meetings on the other side. Mm-hmm. Everybody would talk outside the meeting but not in the meeting. Right. I said, thank you. That was terrific. We can work this out. Blah, blah, blah. As I hit the send button, I got an email back from him. He hadn't seen mine yet, saying, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) I started laughing, and I called him because I knew he must have been in the office, which he was. I said, come on, Tom. This is ridiculous. So we had a good laugh, and we talked about it in the next meeting with everybody. But he was afraid that I was going to beat him up for it so strongly disagreeing and I was trying to set the norm for other people saying love it listen we can talk to each other and it took a while to work it out so you you've really brought up what I think is one of the most important things that leaders can do Mm -hmm. which is to make things discussable to make it okay to say for example I really want to influence you about x or you know let's take a look at some of the things that that we've been doing that haven't worked so well in our relationship 
But if you can model that for people so that things are done in the open rather than people having to go back to their, <laughs> their computers and send each other emails about it or never talk about it or have the meeting after the meeting, which we all know about. I think making how we work together discussable is a very powerful thing that leaders can do. I agree, and I, I love the thought of being okay with some conflict and disagreement. Yeah. I mean, if if everyone agrees, we clearly don't need all those people in the room. Exactly. And, you know, and I, I used to say that uh, the best meeting is the one that we come out of it with a different opinion than we went in. Otherwise, why do we waste an hour, two hours, or a whole day? And so I love the example that you gave, Alan, because I think a leader demonstrating that it's okay to have disagreement. To your point, Ken, like, it's okay that we're going to disagree with each other and there will be disagreement. That's okay. And I think another way leaders can do that, too, is to be careful to not speak too early in a team environment when influence is going on. As you said, there's things you've learned. That's what I've really had to learn because I usually have a strong opinion and am somewhat extrovert and want to jump in immediately. And so learning to keep your mouth shut and let the peers in the group truly share their ideas and encourage them and sort of force that sharing when they're really looking to you to see where they should go. That's very, very powerful. And if you don't do that, then you don't know how much you're in an echo chamber. Right. And That's right. withholding your opinion for much longer than is comfortable for any of us. <laughs> yes. For <laughs> right. sure. Right. Uh, is a very powerful way to encourage other people to... And I will now tell you a story, Good. which is about young leader that I was coaching a number of years ago. And he was sent to me, basically, because his boss saw him really in trouble, that people, the good people were leaving his group, he had been a star, he had been just rising in the, in the company for years, and now he was in a very important position, and he was not being very successful. And so it didn't take long for me to find out that the reason he wasn't being successful is because he always had to be in charge of everything. And so they would have meetings with clients. This was a, a big construction firm, and they were doing these huge projects, and people would be in the room, and whenever the client asked a question... My client was the only one that would answer. Everybody else had to sit on their hands. And so all these talented people had no opportunity to show their stuff or to do anything. So he and I worked on this for a little while, and finally I gave him the challenge. You have a meeting coming up next week. I want you to practice saying nothing in that meeting until the last five minutes of the meeting. And he said, it's going to be really, really hard for me, and I'm not sure it's fair to the client to do that, but I will try it. So I came back the following week after he'd had that meeting, and he was bouncing off the wall. He was so excited. I said, well, what happened? I sat there, and it was so hard for me not to say anything. People were kind of slow about coming out, but then they started coming out with some ideas, and the client got very interested and very excited. By the end of the meeting, I never did say anything except thank you for coming. They came up with better ideas than I would have had. It was amazing to me. I realized that it's time for me to stop being a star and start creating stars. <laughs> terrific. I'm terrific. Like, I love that. And I think that was such a strong indication to me that while it's extremely difficult for any of us to withhold our opinion, we're really cheating ourselves, we're cheating our clients, we're cheating our teams when we don't allow that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. nice. I was going to tell a story in, in a very hierarchical situation. I came to know a, a former military officer from the Indian Army. 
he was in charge of uh, defending the northeast frontier from terrorists, big position. And he said what he learned is when he had a meeting, he started calling on the most junior person in the room first, and he went in reverse order. Mm. And he wouldn't let anybody talk until in reverse order they had spoken oh, for the same reason, because very hierarchical. Mm -hmm. I have a comment that connects to several things that, that happened. This is one meeting that it's a shame we didn't videotape because <laughs> part of what I think was going on was all the nodding and smiling among us, which is too bad wasn't captured because this was a very supportive climate. Um, I don't know if you created it or we just happened to be in violent agreement, but uh, this has certainly been fun talking together. It has, and I did pick up one area uh, that I think we should explore in future where there may be some disagreement, but I'll tell you about that a little bit later. So I, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with both of you, and I am in violent agreement most with most of what both of you said. <laughs> Terrific insight. Thank you. Thank you all. You have just listened to part six of six in the Conversations About Influence podcast. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to these podcasts. Check out our website, barnesconti.com, for more information about exercising influence or our other programs.